From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And good morning and welcome to the Friday edition of GRN Alive here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, May 15th. Can you believe it? In the middle of May. Amazing 2020, Friday, fifth week of Easter. Happy Easter to you. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Yes, uh, here you do, Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Doing well. All right. How's life? School wrapping up? Uh, School's wrapping up. Yeah. Finishing the grading. I, I do have to run and grade after the show. Uh, but other than that, then I'm, you know, to preparations and hope to go to Oklahoma. <laughs> Rent a boat and relax with my family. Oh, yeah? Okay. But I don't know if it's going to be open. Yeah. Yeah. The state? I don't know. Cecil's got some information about that uh, in her newscast about how... States are starting to open up. In fact, I saw some good news today. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get that in just a moment. Uh, Dave Palmer's my name. Uh, good to have you uh, with the program. Cecil Anderson running the board, doing the news, producing. Diane Xavier here doing our, our social media. We invite you to check out our social media platforms, and you can kind of see what's going on behind the scenes here. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube, Twitter. The handle for all of them is GRN Online, if you want to check that out. Diane puts a lot of pictures up there that kind of uh, accentuate... Kind of, kind of, you know, things that we're talking about. Like, for example, the feast day today is uh, Saint Isidore the Farmer, and I think Diane has a picture of Saint Isidore. Now, he lived in the 17th century, so it's not an actual picture; it's more of an artistic rendering of him. Cecil, big fan of Saint Isidore. <laughs> but I, I mentioned that before the show, and Cecil was like, "Wow, Saint Isidore!" She <laughs> I was, was so excited. excited. What, what's the reason for well, the excitement? Anyway, it was just more like he's one of those more obscure saints, I think. Not yeah, a lot of people yeah. know about him. And a few years ago, for a trunk or treat at my parish, we always do our trunk or treats based on saints. And I was helping a lady who wanted to still have a fall festival kind a theme for her trunk and so she's like we have to find a saint that we can make this work and so saint isidore the farmer we could have a fall festival themed there you trunk. go all right <laughs> very so, good. Was so what's fun. his story uh well funny you'd ask and we didn't prepare this uh, i'll tell you a little bit of his story but you got to go and run off and get more but uh uh his co he's a, he was a farmer he's a he's a laborer and his co-workers his fellow laborers thought he was lazy mm-hmm. because he would show up late for work but the reason he did that was because he went to mass. So he would come and they would be blessed and they were like, oh, that lazy is it? All right, goodness. Oh, he's showing up late. But he was going to mass. And he was praying for him. And that that's just part of the story. OK, mm, that's awesome. Can't give you the whole thing. OK, because first of all, I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> he also would be known to bring he would have his wife keep stew on the stove. So every day he'd usually find someone to bring home who needed food. Yeah, so there's lots oh. of cool things. It's also about nice him. to see the, the married saints from of mm. old because it seemed like they're, you know, God bless the religious, the priests, the nuns. But it seemed like and Dr. Well, you can tell me if this is right. There was a. Uh, I don't know if disproportionate is the right word, but uh, not as many lay people canonized in previous centuries. Would you say that's true as maybe a more re- more of a recognition of the holiness of ordinary people? Yeah, it's probably true, but at the same time, it's you know a question of you've got to be you've got to have people behind your cause. It's yeah. hard for lay people to be known and have people behind their cause. Religious, they have their their religious congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like we talked about last week with uh, talking about the saints. And by the way, I got that book. 
uh, by Don Butner. It's really good, that, that Saints book. All right, uh, what are we going to talk about today? We invite you to join us in the program. Love when you call. Love when you participate. 877-757-9424. Diane's also monitoring the, the social media platforms if you want to talk about that. We do an after show. Dr. Malloy is going to start joining us uh, this summer when you get a little more time. Now you got to you know, run, hour. run back to that regular job. <laughs> Full uh, speed. Uh, later on in the show, uh, a lady by the name of Sarah Cortez is going to join us. And she has, uh, she's from Houston. I met her on the Danube. She and her husband, Whoa. Gabe, back in November, we went on the Danube Riverboat Cruise. And she and her husband were there, just really, really engaging people. And I got to know them. And uh, she has an organization called Catholic Literary Arts. And one of the things she does is she puts on a, a summer writing camp for uh, third through twelfth graders. And typically it's just in Houston. You know, as I probably wouldn't be doing it if it was just a Houston event. But nowadays in coronavirus hysteria age, everything's virtual. And so she's opening it up to the whole world. That's awesome. And so we're going to talk about the value of young people learning writing. And, they got to do as it. As a teacher, what do you think about that? They've got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, their writing, writing quality has gone down, I would say, in the last 20 years, generally. There might be some upward trends here and mm-hmm. there, right? With yeah. the homeschoolers that, that are doing a good job, for instance. And uh, before that, we are going to be talking about, guess what? The coronavirus. What? There's, uh, <laughs> What's <yeah>. that? <laughs> and I, I got to say, I don't want to say he's my favorite guest because there's a lot of good guests mm-hmm. that I've had on. But I would say he's the easiest guest in the world because he just is a wealth of information. He's real easy to talk to. He's real down to earth. He is Steve Ray. Woo! And uh, he, might, he might be the most frequent voice on Catholic radio for the last 10, 15 years. Sweet. I mean, everybody's going after Former him. Baptist pastor, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was a former Baptist, uh, Catholic convert. Uh, he's just really honest, really down to earth. Uh, got a little more time in his hand yeah, these days. Yeah, I was going to say, he do- usually does pilgrimage. Yeah. They, they've been, they've been, uh, yeah, they've yeah, been shut yeah. down. Yeah, in fact, I called him the other day and he, and I said, hey, I'm glad I caught you. And he said, hey, <laughs> I don't have anywhere to go right now. Can you do virtual pilgrimages? No work. Well, he's, he's going to be going on pilgrimage pretty soon, though. Nice. I think in the next couple of months. And he, oh, you know, good. he's like the rest of us, itching to get out there. All right. So, uh, we're going to talk about the virtue of prudence as it relates to the coronavirus. Cause I know this whole thing has brought out some, some of uh, the bad side of me, impatience and just frustration. And uh, I don't know, I, I'm, you know, I've said before in this show, I, I am just ready to get back out there. And I know a lot of people aren't. I am. And I, Can and you I, imagine feel, I feel so restrained. So I, I'm with you, but I, I'm thinking to myself, what about those Europeans that are in a small house and locked, total lockdown still? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like in Italy? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Not just Italy, though. Yeah. That'd be crazy. So... Headlines this morning, uh, CNN says uh, new coronavirus cases going down in almost half of all U.S. states. Uh, USA Today, social distancing in U.S. drops significantly, even in states that have st- still have a lot of pretty severe restrictions. Yet, and this is where I get frustrated, uh, in the same page, CDC issues advisory for childhood illness linked to COVID-19. So it's like this is the next thing we have to start worrying about is, you know, kids have almost near zero mortality rates for this. But now we got to start worrying about kids and you can't open schools because Dr. Fauci says we can't. Uh, who official says the virus may never go away? <laughs> oh, there's an optimistic. Uh, Did they say viruses or this the, the, one? He says the, the virus may never go wow. away. And the so virus. I, I just find it, the, it's the scare tactics. And mm. again, I, uh, this is just me. I could come down with it next week. And we I, start, I, I understand it's, it's serious for a lot of people, but this is just, that's me. right. I'm just, no, that's true. Yeah. You but know, at the same time, what are the, you know, the reactions to it? Cardinal Mueller's been very strong with his, Criticism. Yeah, yeah. They're, uh, in fact, Cardinal Mueller, 
uh, Archbishop Vigano, uh, Bishop Schneider all had very, very yeah. Uh, provocative statements, and maybe those will come out when we have Steve Ray on the line. So, anyway, Steve Ray is going to join us, and he's been pretty outspoken. And you know, we're talking about the virtue of prudence. You know, how do how do we make right decisions? Uh, if you're in an elevator and somebody says, "Doctor Malloy, what's the virtue of prudence?" How would you describe it? Prudence, you got to know the ends and be inclined to the ends, the good ends, uh-huh. right? Of of being human, being a child of God, and then you, the pr- virtue of prudence helps you to to determine the means to achieve those ends in concrete situations mm. example what to do here and now um i've got to get to mass but there's a traffic jam yeah you just you know prudence is part of taking the right road but often it's it's hard for um with the skill of prudence two people can disagree as to how to get there but the person who's prudent is the person you wind up trusting in tough situations because mm, they, they know how to get the job done. Yeah, yeah, very good. And uh, I think there needs to be a rule. We have to refer to St. Thomas Aquinas in every – remember one of our guests was referring to Aquinas and Aristotle? And uh, I think there has yeah, to be some awesome. reference. And so Aquinas asks – Otherwise, we kick him off. <laughs> yeah. Prima Secunda, question 57, whether prudence is a virtue necessary to man – he says yes, and it's kind of what you're saying here. For a good life consists in good deeds. Now, in order to do good deeds, it matters not only what a man does, but also how he does it. And so the end in mind, right? All right, I'm going long. Cecil has some news stories. Always cuts into my a, time. A minute and a half, Cecil, to give <laughs> oh, all the news. What's oh, going geez. on? Okay, well, it wouldn't be my newscast unless I gave some sort of update on the coronavirus. I just wanted to talk a little bit, because Dr. Malloy brought up a point. Like, is he able to go to Oklahoma this weekend? I Or in the coming days? Yeah. I have no idea. Um, no, uh, there there are about um, 10 states that are still on full lockdown, like okay. they are very closed down. There's about uh, 20 states that are on, op- reopening on a limited basis, limited businesses, and there's about uh, 15-ish that are starting to open up, including um, uh, more major businesses, including Texas and Oklahoma. So you may be okay, Dr. Oh, Roy. Right. <laughs> you may be okay. And then there's three that never went on lockdown. I was just kind of interested if you all had to guess which three those were. Uh, was Florida one of them? No. South Dakota. Oh, okay. South yeah. Dakota, you're right. Yeah. That's okay. right. How about Alaska? Actually, Alaska did go on lockdown. It's Utah and Nebraska. Okay. So kind of interesting, random middle less of populous US. states. Yes, less populous, yeah. a little more middle of the United States. I, I said, um, I, I said Florida because Governor DeSantis in Florida mm. has, for a very populous state, especially with a very uh, a lot of elderly population, yeah. he has been pretty lax. Interesting. And, and he actually came out yesterday and said he called out other governors for draconian lockdowns. You are not a dictator. You do not have unlimited authority, and people do have rights. Sweet. This, this is the governor of Florida talking. And their wow. statistics down there are great, and they have an elderly population. They yeah. do. They yeah. do. And a huge like a population of people going out on beach. Like, there's a lot of people just out and about, I feel mm-hmm. like, too. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. A little bit of sunlight can help you. <laughs> Vitamin D. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's and in the true. salt in the ocean, I think, can help you as well. All these natural kind of remedies. And then there's one pastor. What's the yes, story? About, yeah, tell us yeah, about that. Yeah. Social. So Pastor Brian Gibson from his church, which which is in Owensboro, Kentucky. He came out this last week very strongly um, calling all religious leaders um, to push back against the restrictions for opening up churches. Um, Because at the time, Kentucky was one of those states that was not allowing churches to gather in person. Um, And so he was saying, this is not right. There are McDonald's and Starbucks are opening, but churches are still restricted. That's a First Amendment right. And so he came out and made this call for everyone to come together and to push back against it. Of course, he's saying to follow the guidelines. He's not saying just everyone come back in the thousands at one place. He's saying wear the mask, make it however you need to do it to stay safe. But he also said, you know, 
talking about. You can go to Walmart, you can go to yeah. Lowe's. He said, why is one hour on Sunday morning the most dangerous, the yeah. most deadliest deadly hour? hour and so he's, I, I think there's, a, I have some sympathy for him. He yeah. some he's, there. he's not a Catholic pastor, he's a Protestant. And hey, by the way, just got a text from uh, our VP Toya, and she brought this to my attention. You're, yeah. you're going to be so excited about yes. this, Cecil. Yes. Our station. Another car raffle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I win the car. No. Uh, we have a station in Wellington, Texas, uh, that is named after St. Isidore. Really? Sweet. Yeah. That's a so K- cool. KSIF. How did I not know that? I don't okay? know. I've never, I don't know if I've ever been to That's Wellington. That's so cool. St. Isidore the Former, Wellington. Okay. So that's it, so exciting. Isn't that just the coolest thing? I'm excited. All right. Uh, all right. That's, uh, that's it. I mean, I have one more story. Do all we right. have time? Yeah. <laughs> just, well, I'm <laughs> oh, thinking about Steve Ray, but yeah, sure, let's, no, let's do it quickly. Quickly, yeah. teaser. We have one subject that's not been talked about much for a election year, our politics. And, um, recently I thought an interesting point that Representative Dan uh, Lipinski, who's from the sh- uh, Chicago South Side, um, made an interesting statement, Dr. Moy, I wanted your comment on it. He says that um, it seems that more and more Catholics and Christians in general are making their religion, their uh, the political party their religion, then putting their faith first. There's and a light topic. That's bro. a light topic. <laughs> it's a teaser. I'm just we'll get a thought and I'll get Dr. I'll get Steve Ray on the it's phone. It's a danger. You yeah, got you got to yeah. not do that. Caesar won't get you to heaven. Yeah, amen. <laughs> There's a lot more that can go on. I could go into that, but we don't have time for that it. That could be so a whole different topic. That could be maybe next week's show, show or yeah. something. And we can come up with this because I think how he said some good. he was with his answer. <laughs> oh, I mean, just, uh, just like. I've... There's a lot to unpack I didn't get into. There is a lot he said in here that I think were really good things. Actually, they kind of go along with prudence, I think. But Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, blah, very, very, blah, very blah. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a one-minute break, and I want to challenge the listeners out there because, you know, there's sometimes there's things that impact uh, some of us but not all of us. and. Uh, but the, the coronavirus has impacted everybody. There's nobody that has not been impacted. When Steve Ray comes on, we're going to be talking about prudence and how we exercise that, uh, in some of the decisions we make, wearing face masks, not wearing them, uh, you know, being obedient to our, our bishops, our shepherds, and that kind of stuff. And we want to hear from you. So let's get a few people calling up and participating in the program today. 877-757-9424. This is the Friday edition of GRN Alive. We're glad you're with us, and uh, we're going to take a one-minute break. Don't go anywhere, and we'll be right back. I'll bet you know by now that Amazon Smile is a great way to support your favorite charity, and supporting the Guadalupe Radio Network while you shop is easy. Step one, just start off at smile.amazon.com. Step two, choose La Promesa Foundation as your charity. La Promesa Foundation is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio Network. And step three, enjoy your shopping. Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase to the La Promesa Foundation, and it doesn't cost you any extra. La Promesa Foundation and Guadalupe Radio Network, thank you. This is Alex Kubik from the Diocese of Birmingham, and on behalf of all of our friends at the Guadalupe Radio Network, I want to take this opportunity to wish you a happy, holy, and healthy Easter. In this season of uncertainty, let's celebrate the absolute certainty that Christ is risen from the dead, and by his death he has destroyed the power of death. Be joyful and filled with hope. I want to thank you for being a loyal listener and supporter of Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. All right, we're back. See how quick a minute goes. Uh, GRN Live, Friday edition, 15 minutes after the hour. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is something we do two days a week. Mondays, it's Joe and the team in Houston. And Fridays, it's here in North Texas. We're actually in Irving, Texas, uh, not too far from the... 
great University of Dallas, where Dr. Chris Malloy is employed, and we're glad you, you, that you're with us today, 877-757-9424. And as I mentioned, uh, such an easy guest, such a great guy to talk to. I absolutely love every time he's on with us. And I really think he's one of those guys that doesn't need a long introduction because he has such a big presence on Catholic radio, Catholic television. So I'm just going to say he's Steve Ray. All right. That's enough said. CatholicConvert.com is his website. Steve, how you doing? Good morning. I'm doing good. You can always just introduce me as the bald-headed guy with 18 grandkids. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> okay. I'll make note of that. That'll be my new one. And uh, we got Dr. Chris Malloy here in studio with us and Sissel, so you may hear some different voices uh, coming at you. Okay? I always like to say, you don't, don't think you're going crazy if you hear different voices, all right? All right. All right. So, uh, broad topic here, virtue of prudence, making good decisions. Uh, you've been pretty outspoken about this whole uh, coronavirus uh uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm calling it pandemic or whatever, but uh, general feelings about just, you know, in the midst of all this craziness, keeping our bearings and also, you know, remaining prudent. Uh, general thoughts on that topic as we get started? Well, I, I tend to hesitate using the word pandemic, too, and I tend to use the word hysteria yeah, more than, yeah. than anything. Um, I, you know, we're still watching things evolve. We're still learning. I don't trust the numbers that are coming out. So I could say that we have the numbers coming out, but I am hearing way too many times about how hospitals and others are, no matter what you die of, they're putting down coronavirus because the hospitals make money when somebody dies of that. There's a certain agenda that the more people that die of it, uh, the more uh, you know what I mean by that. I'm mm-hmm. Yeah, they get the money. Yeah. I'm trying to be prudent what I said, uh, <laughs> how I say it. But I know that uh, I don't think history 50 years from now or 100 years from now, when I'm, uh, I'll be a little bit older then, <laughs> well, yeah. I'll be reading back the history of how this this whole episode is being discussed and, and uh, dissected at that time. I don't think it's going to be favorable the way things have gone on in a nutshell let me say my four points and you'll get a kind of a feel for where i'm coming from this first point is there was a horrendous and very scary unknown virus that comes out of china granted everybody heard about this it was a terrifying thing nobody knew what it was it was something supposedly new number two a bunch of statisticians and experts started modeling. They made computer models of how many millions of people were going to die by this and scared everybody even further. The millions of people, in the, even in the United States, I've, I've heard millions plus. Number three is a lot of people, politicians, and I would have to say religious leaders as well. I might get in trouble for saying that, but uh, politicians and religious leaders as well and others were afraid of being accused of doing too little too late. Mm-hmm. So they jumped on the bandwagon and I think did too much too soon. Now, maybe out of caution, yes. But it's unprecedented what they did. We'll talk about that in a minute. Number three, uh, that's number three. Number four is once we're finding out that the numbers aren't as bad as they said they're going to be, that there's a whole sector that's not really as vulnerable as they were supposed to be, that it's really hitting older folks and people who have pre-existing conditions that it's really having the effect on. But people are afraid to open things back up again for fear that they will be accused of having acted too quickly and possibly there will be people dying from this because the virus has not gone away and it won't go away for a long time 
and they're afraid that if they open it up and people die, they're going to be accused of being irresponsible and killing people by opening society back up again. That in an, and, and I, there's also two camps. I think there's the camp that says, "Come on, the, the cure is worse than the disease. Let's get let's get the economy going back. Let's get people back to work." There's already estimates that up to 50% of small businesses and restaurants will be closed because of this bankruptcy, run out of money, close. I know people already who their, their their businesses have closed because of this. So there's a whole wing that says, let's get the economy back, let's protect the vulnerable and put the, those who are sick, let's quarantine them, but healthy people, young people, everybody else, let's get back to work. There's another whole wing that says the government knows better than we do, Medi- medical experts know better than we do, we're going to follow their lead and we should have everybody stay in their house until the end of the year because we want to be safe. So my bottom line is that there's a bunch of Americans who have kind of hold to the position we've always had as Americans that we would rather have a risky freedom than an enslaved safety. Mm. Yeah, good way of putting it. Yeah. Let me ask you, one one thing I've heard, and this is something that touches very, very close to what you do, is about travel. You know, Dr. Malloy, before you were on, was talking about how he wanted to go to Oklahoma this weekend, which is like, you know, 60 miles from here, and he didn't even know if he was going to be able to. Here you are, somebody that travels extensively, and I have heard so many people say, oh, I don't know if, you know, there will ever be travel again. I don't know if, you know, travel across the world may never be like it used to be. And, of course, the airlines are being hit uh, really, really hard. Uh, how is that impacted your pilgrimage uh, apostolate and and what do you foresee in the future and and is there a lot of hysteria driving this i think it is mostly hysteria driving it and people wanting to be correct they're wanting to be not accused of being careless there's a lot of i think there's a lot of that Uh, how have i been affected i have lost eight buses to date of pilgrims going that's Six months of our employment, we mm. have no work for. This six is your months. bread and butter. Yeah, that's how we make a living, exactly. And not only that, it's what we love to do. We love to take people, show them the lands of the Bible. There's no ways for people to be converted more deeply and fast as to take them into the Holy Land, out of their comfort zone, take them to the place where Jesus walked, introduce them to those places, see that they're real and true. This is what my wife and I love to do. We would love to help people understand the beauty and truth of the faith and confirm them in it. And we've lost it up to date eight buses to date. And so I would normally be in Israel right now. You, you would be talking to me from Jerusalem, but uh, unhappily we're not because of the situation. I don't, I do believe it's coming back. We have a group already, uh, almost a full bus going in July 29th. It, Israel is opening their airports on June 1st. Restaurants and everything in Israel are opening up again all this week. Kids are all going back to school. And in all of Israel, only 258 people have died to date. It may be mm-hmm. 260 now. Now, people say, well, that's horrible. 260 people, those are real people. Those are real lives. Yes, but they closed down the whole economy. They shut down everything. There are people committing suicide because they've yeah. lost their businesses. They're hopeless. They've lost everything. People are in hungry in Israel. And the people, I've been tracking it in Israel, The out of the 267 people, I think 90% of them were over 70 years old. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, it's likely that we're going to die. We're all <laughs> at some die. point, very likely. Yes. Yes. Yeah, now, something. And, and, I, I've got a question, Steve, and it's yeah. that that I, I I feel that this could have been a great moment existentially for Catholics, for all believers in Jesus Christ, to get on their knees and beg God for mercy, and because we're oh, part of we're you know, and we're we're each of us is a sinner. We're also living in a society that has turned its face from God. 
But I don't think we've done it. 2008, I remember talking to a pastor. He said, my business is up. I don't think pastor's business is up. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, even at home, I feel like it's slowly kind of fading away. We do the nightly rosary and things like that, but we're not thinking this is a scourge from God and we need to repent. Yeah, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it a scourge from God. I, I, it's b- above my pay grade. I'll leave it to much more spiritual people than I. Um, but whether whether it's an active scourge by God, the Trinity got together and said, look, at the world's gone crazy, let's punish them or let's wake them up, or whether it was a... a, 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 a a natural course of events, whatever it is. Those aren't, those aren't, see, I don't think, yeah. And from that standpoint, I agree with you that no matter how you look at it, whether it's an act of God specifically or he allowed it to happen, God is in charge, and we as Christians should always respond in a certain way, and that is always to go on our knees and say, Lord, what is this? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do? I think we can also handle it with great joy from the very standpoint that we know God's always working in our life, and all things work together for good for those who are called by God according to his purposes, Romans 8.28. And it's always a time for us to get on our knees. But I think it's also a time for Christians to realize that our religious freedoms are very fragile in the world and in our country. And when somebody for the virus scare can shut down all churches and everybody complies with that, where I can go in Michigan, I can go to um, go to the abortion clinics which are open and, bu- and busy and people are going in for abortions and people are going to the liquor store and buying, buying lottery tickets and you can go to the grocery store, but you cannot. In our state, it was illegal to go into a church or to go to a religious service and you could be arrested for that. Now, we as Christians... Why are we going to allow our governors to tell us that just by the signing of an ink with our pen on a paper that we cannot go to church and we cannot walk into a church, although we can do all of these other things? And why are it, what it's making a statement to the Christians and to all Catholics in this country that Christianity and church and mass are non-essential. That's what's being said by the government. Costco is essential. The liquor store is essential. Our governor said that abortion is life-affirming, her exact words. Abortion is life-affirming, therefore we need to keep the abortion clinics open, but churches will remain closed. What That sends a message to all of us Christians that the governments and others, not all of them, of course, but many of the governors and people in politics and media consider us and our religion and our churches to be non-essential. And for that, we should protest. We should not accept that position taken about us. And in Michigan, for example, you could be arrested and fined for going into a church, going to a religious service, and it was three Baptist churches that that sued our governor, and our governor had to back down and say, you still can't go into a church, you, we just won't arrest or fine you, there won't be a penalty. Well, why, I'm going to say something will get me in trouble here, why isn't it the Catholic bishops, why isn't it the Catholic church that's standing up for our religious freedoms and drawing the line and saying that this is essential? This, I, I'm disappointed a bit in that. Well, it goes back but, to like Hobby Lobby was the, you know, the only major protest against uh, the... Uh the health, yeah. the health department's exactly. uh, regulations. Yep. Exactly. Now, now here's here's another uh, uh, thing is that we trusted them the first time around, but I, I think basically we were in good faith. Everyone's been in good faith. Okay, mm-hmm. it looks yeah. like. But next time, yeah. I I do hope we don't just sit by and let it happen. Exactly. That's what I said earlier. It was a horrendous virus that came out of China. Everyone, and we should say where it came from. Uh, that's I refer to it as the Wuhan virus or the Chinese. Virus. That's right. 
And I think that we, and we were all in good faith. We didn't know what this thing was coming out of there. All of us are willing to be reasonable. All of us are willing to uh, accept safety for a time being. But when you, the numbers are all being skewed now and we're seeing that there's a lot more going on and the reporting was a lot less accurate than it actually is, then let's revamp our approach and let's get back to work and let's get the businesses going again. And uh, there's a time when you realize that something wasn't right that you you rectify it. All right, Steve Ray joining us. His website is catholicconvert.com. He's a bald guy with 18 grandkids, and we're glad that he is joining us on the program today. 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Yeah, you know, uh, I we we kind of touched on obedience to to civil leaders. You know, there's a couple of uh, quotes from the Bible that I I pulled out. Uh, Hebrews 13.7 says, Obey your leaders and defer to them, for they keep watch over you and will have to give an account. I think that's an important one, especially for the yep. leaders to consider. Romans 13.1, let every person be subordinate to the higher authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And so again, prudence. I think yes. protesting is fine, but uh, leaders have to make good decisions. The other thing but, I want to... Uh, but can I, can yeah. I make one comment? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. But on the other hand, you to counterbalance that, you also have Peter and John after the day of Pentecost being told to be quiet, do not preach in his name, and they said, you tell us who we're going to obey, God or man. Yeah. These were the civil authorities, these were the government agencies, both Jewish and Roman, who were trying to quiet them, and they said, we're not going to be quiet. You can't tell us we can't preach in Jesus' name. And that, So there is a balance that we obey civil governments as long as they are, are correct and right, but when they infringe on our religious freedom, freedoms and our duties towards God and our mankind, then we, we, then we have the uh, right of civil disobedience. All right. Uh, the other thing that I, I think takes a lot of prudence is that there's two extremes. You've got some people that are just like, whatever I'm told to do, I'll do it. If you want me to wear a face mask, if you want me to wear a bodysuit, if you want me to not ever come out of my house, that's fine. And then you get some other people that are really reading a lot into this and, uh, you know, the, the conspiracies. And I, I think some of the stuff that might come under conspiracy theory is true. And I just want to give you a couple of quotes from leading uh, church officials, and you guys can comment on this. Archbishop uh, Carl Carlos Mary Vigano says plans for a new world order must be unmasked, understood, and revealed. The idea of plans for a new world order under which countries and ordinary citizens saw their identity taken away by a powerful elite might have seemed absurd until a few years ago. And then Cardinal Mueller says it's no conspiracy theory. Pandemic is being used to implement, quote, questionable measures. All right. So, again, where do we draw the line and, you know, take it too far and obsess and, you know, the, everybody's the, the Gates Foundation is conspiring against us. And I don't know. What do you say about that, Steve? I think there's a I certainly agree with Vagano and Mueller, and they're not the only uh, prelates in the church who are saying that. And I agree with them that there is and has always been a move for government to control everything, to be a one-world government and have everything under control. I don't doubt that that's going on. I'm not a conspiracy theorist because if you go on the Internet right now, you're going to find 30 or 40 different brands of of all of these conspiracies. I'm sure there's an element of truth in all of this. But at the same time, I'm not one who chases after conspiracy theories and so on. I, I, I have always had the impression, Dave, that no matter where you are, you always look for the extreme left and the extreme right, and you stay as far away from both of them as you can. <laughs> and yeah, I would virtue say is in the too, mean. Yeah, you've got extreme 
uh, people now who are on the conspiracy bandwagon, the government's out to get us, and then you have on the other side, do whatever the government says. I don't do either one of those. I try to stay a balanced, prudent, rational in the middle somewhere. And uh, that's exactly what I'm I'm trying to do. All right, Mary from San Antonio is called in. I presume listening to the mighty KGMA 89.7 FM 877-757-9424. Mary, thank you so much for joining us in Journal Live. What, what's your question or comment for Steve? Uh, mostly, I have a comment. Um, uh, when uh, the lockdown came down, I uh, lockdown being the churches being closed. I I first felt very supportive and was angry with my husband because he was set on finding a church somewhere, anywhere. He was willing to travel to any city to find one that was opened because he wanted to do daily mass. And I said he was being very selfish because we needed to protect the the vulnerable and not go, not demand communion because I didn't think we deserved communion, that it was a privilege. But then I, I had to feel... But the church shouldn't be the one that, the leadership shouldn't be the ones that say, you don't come. It should have been us that said, either I come or I don't come, on based on how what God is telling us to do. And maybe the church leaders were being told by God to close it. But I have a feeling it wasn't God that was telling them, that they were listening mostly to politicians. And so I'm conflicted because now I feel, well, I have to go to confession because I've judged um our church leaders badly in the way they responded to this. I know they wanted to help uh, vulnerable, but I don't believe mandating that we don't set foot on church was the right way. And so that's, that's mainly my comment. The other is, do I need to go to confession or have I done it by airing it in air? All right, Mary. <laughs> I, I, that, whether you go to con, uh, confession or not is up to your conscience, but I think that as we go through this situation and we try to evaluate it and to draw conclusions, I don't think that we're guilty of trying to come to understand it and have a certain perspective of what's going on. Um, and by the way, people can go to confession. There, it says in the catechism that if you can't get to confession, you can have a perfect contrition of sorrow for your sins and confess, and your mortal sins will even be forgiven as long as you make a resolution to go to confession as soon as you're able to. Um, it's, but I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm afraid that there, it was too quickly. I understand, let me say this, I understand that we acted quickly because it was an unknown danger and a fright and the modeling, like I said earlier, and the statistics were terrifying that millions would die. However, once those things are now t- uh, taken into account, that this is not really killing more people than the flu does on an average year, um, we really need to revamp and get things back together. But I think people are afraid to open up too soon because they're going to be accused of something. Um, the, I'm afraid, too, that oftentimes, and I get in trouble for saying this, too, but I speak my mind, is that too often pastors, and I'm, I'm thinking of those in leadership, are more concerned today with being politicians than pastors. And, and maybe they say that I'm being a pastor and protecting our flock by being careful and being so on. And I think that's how it all started out to be. But I don't mm-hmm. see also... In this situation, what I've seen in the past, my, one of my grandkids is named Damien after Damien of Molokai, who was willing to go and help the lepers on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. And we're in the past where there were, were pandemics, and I'm hesitant to call this a pandemic, but when there were pandemics and plagues, the priests and the religious went right into the middle of the fight, and they took care of people, and they helped people. And I'm 
I'm a bit in trouble for saying this too, but I don't see that <laughs> attitude being practiced. You, you get a lot of trouble today, Steve. I am, I, and, I, and I am. But you know what? I think Dave is that the average person out yeah. there, the average Catholic. What I'm saying resonates with them, and they're tired of all of the political correctness they hear from the intelligentsia and those who are oh so much smarter than we are. And average American people aren't dumb, and I think that when we talk about this. They're saying, wow, a breath of fresh air. Somebody's finally being honest and saying what I've been thinking all along. Yeah. Well, well, and Mary, and th- to, th- thanks for the call, by the way, Mary. Appreciate you calling very much. Go ahead. To, to, to agree, uh, Steve, and, and further your point, I, I want to bring back to my point. We need to experience this in the light of eternity. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna actually side on the, uh, calling this a scourge. Um, all things are in the hand of God. But whether you call it a scourge or a moment of grace, as as you're suggesting, it's both. It's always both. Um, it's a time that we can live towards God, and we need yeah. the priests to come in so that we can do that. We just, yeah. we, I mean, if we're not near the sacraments, it's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And you know what's going to happen, and it's, this is a very, it should terrify priests and bishops, is that people are going to get used to watching Mass at home on the television and saying, you know what, I kind of like this. I can sit here and sip on my cup of coffee in the morning and watch Mass. And I went to Mass today because that's what we've done for the last two months, and I kind of like this. It's a lot easier than getting up and getting dressed and driving over to Mass, and I can't have and my finding coffee the shoes. After. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's going to come a point where, and this is all because... We're being told that certain things like bars and abortion clinics are essential, but churches are not essential. And that message is going to get out to people that basically church and God are, are quite kind of like a peripheral. They're an, they're an option. And I can get up and go to Mass now if I want to, but even the bishops told me I could stay home and watch it on television and I didn't have an obligation to come. Now, I understand all why that's taking place. Don't get me wrong. There's a safety issue and we were afraid. But right now... I'm going to Mass on Sunday. I've been invited to come to, a priest has invited me, he's having a Mass on Sunday, which is kind of unusual in our area right now. And But we all have to, it's so regulated, It's and so many people, you have to get like into a lottery now to go to a Mass. What's going to, I'm afraid is going to happen is people are going to start saying religion and Christianity and the Catholic Church and Mass are an option. I'm just going to stay home and watch it on television. Yeah. Hey, well, let's go to one more call real quickly. John in San Antonio. I, I do want to say in light of that, I went to Mass the other day, and they, they had the door locked, and I had to wait until the usher came to let me in. I had to have my face mask on. I had to be set six feet away from the next person. I I, I just, I felt weird. I felt, it is weird. you know, it, it was just, it wasn't Mass. I was so distracted. Everybody had their face yep. mask on. Everybody looked, you know. It just, uh, but, but I was happy to be them. there, and, and Jesus was there, and it was awesome. But uh, hey, let's, 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 yeah, let's go to John. My, my son, my son got a a priest gave him a pix with with uh, the host in it, and him and my eight, he has eight of my grandchildren. They they brought another family in, and they went down in the basement, and they had watched a mass on television. They all stood up and kneeled and prayed all the way through it, and then they had communion at the end because this priest gave it to them in a pix, a very special gift from them. And, uh, but I have to say, too, my wife and I, are, as long as we got to do all this, we're having kind of fun with it. I have these bandanas that, you know, the, that the Western cowboys used to 
wear, you guys in Texas, and the, the pattern on them. And I, I put that over my nose, and I have my sunglasses and my hat on. I look just like a bank robber. <laughs> and my wife has a matching red bandana, and that's what we wear. You know, it's like the Catholic Bonnie and Clyde. It's, you know, you got to have some fun with it. Three months ago, they would kick you out. Hey, real quickly, that's what uh, I say to people, hey, if I came into your, st- if I came into your store like this two months ago, you'd have called the police. <laughs> All right, John, I apologize, but I want to get you on. Can you, if you can make your point real quick, we only got about a minute and a half total, but I want to go to you, John in San Antonio. Go ahead, John. Thanks for calling. Uh, yes, thank you. I was uh, fascinated by the conspiracy theory. A couple of my friends, we were discussing having worked in the White House before, and I made the comment uh, as it came to me that I thought probably Christ was the biggest conspiracy theorist, and that's how they uh, probably went after him. So I'm interested in Dr. Malloy's uh I guess, uh, uh, take on whether they probably, they did label Christ a conspiracy theorist. All right, Dr. Malloy, and then we'll end with uh, Steve Ray, and then we'll have to go. Thanks for the question, John. Interesting take. Dr. Malloy? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't really comment on that conspiracy theorist. But certainly the Romans are always worried about trouble and agitation. I think I go with the Gospels on this. Basically, Pilate caved to the pressure, and the pressure came from the religious authorities. Right there, they betrayed Christ. Yeah, I would make that. I've come to conclude that the crucifixion of Christ was complete. Uh, was almost a hundred percent political. The Romans had a, a, a kind of a agreement with the Sadducees and the and the Pharisees about how Israel would be run in Jerusalem. Jesus was upsetting the apple cart, and the Romans and the Jews both had to get rid of him because he was a political liability to them. And they, to, in fact, that's what the Jews said. If we don't get rid of this man, the Romans will come and take our place away from us. That's political. And so involved in that is all kinds of conspiracies on all the parties. John, great question. We wish we had more time for it. we got to go. Appreciate your call, John, from San Antonio. Provocative question there. Interesting. Steve Ray, thanks so much. It's been interesting. It always is. Uh, CatholicConvert.com. Uh, you, you can, are you actually taking uh, pilgrimage orders now? We got People one can going sign up, right? Do- July 29, we almost have a full bus. The airports are opening in Tel Aviv on June 1st. I also have already sold out groups in October. And November's filling, and we have one over the Christmas break to Israel, too. I also have a St. Paul cruise going in September to the Mediterranean. I've got eight of my grandkids going on that. So travel will come back. It is coming back. It's going to be slow, but it is coming back. All right. Hey, man. Steve, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much. God Thank bless you, you. Dave. Good, good to have God you on bless. the program. And uh, Dr. Malloy, good to have you on. I know you got to get some great done. And uh, an interesting conversation there. We're going to take a two-minute break now, and Sarah Cortez with Catholic Literary Arts is going to join us. The art of writing, and should our children, of course they should, be taught to write, and also from a Catholic perspective, and what does that mean, and what does she mean by a Catholic imagination? All these qu- these questions and answers with Sarah Cortez coming up here on Jaren Live right after this. Have you seen it yet? Hi, Joe McLean here. I'm talking about the brand new GRNonline.com website. It is really cool, and I can't wait for you to see this. Just visit GRNonline.com. Make sure you say yes to knowing your location. I'll tell you why. Because when you do, it will automatically deliver to you your local station, your local events, your local contact information, and more. Again, grnonline.com Hi friends, this is Father Wesley Shavi from the Catholic Diocese of Dodge City. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples thought that there was no hope, but his resurrection changed everything. They realized that death does not have the last word. 
There may be some of you in this Easter season who suffer from illness or worry, but in spite of the difficulties that may leave you feeling helpless, we are not hopeless because Jesus has conquered death. Hi, this is Len Oswald with your GRN Family Minute. We wanted you to know that we've been working behind the scenes to roll out new digital initiatives to help serve you better. You may have noticed that we have increased our social media reach, delivering live video of our GRN Live show and some local market shows to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just search for at GRN Online. Additionally, we're working on a new podcast management tool that will vastly improve our offering of digital on-demand content, allowing you to follow your favorite programs at your pace. That will be available soon. However, I'm happy to share with you that our new website is now available at grnonline.com. When you go, your web browser will ask you to allow us to know your location. If you say yes, the website will then customize your GRN experience with your local GRN station, programming, events, and more. Stay tuned. More great things are coming from your Guadalupe Radio Network. Yeah, they certainly are, and uh, I love those cat those <clears throat> GRN minutes with uh, Len Oswald because Len never gets on during the Sherathons. You don't hear much of his voice, yeah. but uh, these things I I just love them. I you, I love uh, hearing them. I mean, I learn stuff. I mean, I know most of it, but then just the way he explains it and the bond that he's creating with the listeners, and so I hope you're enjoying that as well. I know they're updated frequently, and so. Love them, love them. And uh, we are coming to the end of the program, but I want to in, uh, welcome Sarah Cortez, uh, president and founder of Catholic Literary Arts. Uh, she is in Houston, and she's been putting on a fearless Catholic writing camp for a number of years uh, in Houston, but... One of the, you know, benefits of, I guess, you know, there's always a blessing with any, every scourge uh, of the, the coronavirus is that this year she's opening it up for the whole world through virtual Catholic writing camp. And, uh, she's here to tell us all about it. And we welcome, uh, Sarah Cortez, uh, who I mentioned before. She and her husband Gabe were on the Danube Riverboat Cruise uh, with me That's and many other awesome. pilgrims back in November. And what a blast it was. And, uh, Sarah, good morning. How are you? I am great, Dave. Good morning. I enjoyed listening to the first part of your show, so thanks thanks a lot. You sure do good work. Yeah, you got to follow Steve Ray, so no pressure, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. She, I am confident she's going to be great. Now, I, I guess you're not going to preface a lot of your statements with, oh, gosh, this is going to get me in trouble. I'm sorry, but... Uh, <laughs> a little bit of a lighter, more hot topic. No, no we're, we're going to have a... I hope we'll have a very inspiring segment, uh, Dave, because... Uh, I find working with kids and adult writers, which I also do, but we're going to mostly talk about the kids today. I find that amazingly inspiring because I tell you the Holy Spirit, you know, I think he has a special door into which he enters children's minds and imaginations. Yeah, and, you know, I, I love your website, catholicliteraryarts.org. Uh, you have a, a quote from a gentleman by the name of Joshua Wren. The Catholic literary tradition has been marked by writers who understand that human nature finds its final cause not in mere beauty, in beauty not in mere inclusion, but in salvation. And so I want to, uh, I, I guess, first of all, just talk about, you know, any, anybody can write, an atheist can write, but what's significant about Catholic literature, be writing with a, a Catholic worldview, how does that change things? Uh, the Catholic worldview, as it comes out in the arts, particularly writing, uh, that's, I'll speak to that because that's sort of my specialty, um, is generally characterized by an understanding of mankind as living in a fallen world. 
So it's after the Garden of Eden, okay? If we're, we're not going to get the Garden of Eden back on the face of the earth as we know it. Uh, and so uh, the Catholic worldview tends to understand that. Uh, the Catholic worldview also sees uh, a great longing for grace and redemption in the human soul and believes, in fact, that there is a human soul. I mean, what a concept, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, uh, Those people that uh, don't believe in God tend not to believe that. Uh, And, of course, I say this bearing in mind that we all have struggles uh, throughout life sometimes, especially our life of faith. But the other, one of the other major characteristics is that um, the Catholic imagination and writer really understands that all of the physical world is shimmering with the imminence of God. Mm. So God, uh, I mean, God created the world. He created it according to his uh, wonderful um, master plan, not all aspects of which any human created creature you know, before Christ's second coming is going to understand, but, but God created all of this, uh, our human bodies, the trees, the plants, the sky, the uh, whatever, you know, and it's it's created in the image and likeness of God to reveal certain aspects of his divinity that we can't understand through our physical senses, but which I think we all seek to understand as a way to to get closer to him. So... Yeah, those, those yeah. are some characteristics I would mention. Yeah, that is so so important, and I, that's such a great answer. And I want to invite anybody that has a question for Sarah Cortez. CatholicLiteraryArts.org is her website. She's putting on a fearless Catholic writing camp, and it's in Houston, but it's going to be virtual this summer in June, and anybody across the whole world can join, 3rd through 12th graders. We'll give you more details about that in a moment. 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. You know, Sarah, a couple of the most popular websites in the world, one of them is YouTube. Uh, a lot of young people uh, and people of all ages just like to do videos. You know, I like to do videos. And also Twitter, where you know you can only write in a certain number of words, and it's very short. And, you know, and I wonder, are, 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 how is, is writing still important? And if so, I know you're going to say yes, and I agree, but why so? Why is learning how to write still important in this day and age? Well, uh one of uh, there are lots of reasons, Dave. I'm going to uh, just mention a couple of the most important. Uh, one of those is that being articulate, meaning to take an idea or a feeling that's inside your heart or mind or soul, and be able to explain it first verbally, but then in writing, uh, gives the human aspect of yourself another way for self-discovery because there are many things uh, that come out when you're writing whatever you're writing but i'm going to say fiction and poetry right now so stories and poetry or memoir you the nature of creativity of course which is a gift from the holy spirit is such that you discover things you didn't know you thought or felt Mm -hmm. While you're trying to express, let's say you're trying to write a love letter to your wife. I mean, love is very complex. It's intangible. It's hard hard to write about, you know. But 
as you write that love letter, even if it's just a short little Valentine note to her or something, you're going to discover a way of expression or feelings that you had that you didn't really know you had. And so writing is so important. It's also, so that's the first thing I want to mention. This idea of articulation. I have a good friend, a priest friend who's very articulate, teaches at the seminary and teaches at another Catholic university in theology. And he said, even among the seminarians, they struggle. Uh, I mean, these are smart guys, yeah. but they struggle to be able to get their ideas on paper. Mm-hmm. So, so we're in the business of helping people. The second reason it's important is for emotional mental health. Uh, I saw some statistics years ago from some of the worst uh, uh, episodes of violence in the ghettos, like the, the ghettos of Detroit and Chicago, etc. Yeah. One of the characteristics, uh, uh, there's a woman who founded a wonderful nonprofit to address the characteristics of people who committed those acts of violence against members of their own group and neighborhood. It typically, be because they were angry, They had no way to express that anger other than pull out a gun and shoot somebody or Mm -hmm. knife them or whatever. So we, we, when we get things out on paper, it's good for our emotional and mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead, Cecil. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask there if you, um, encourage journaling as like a first start to get into writing. Cause I've, uh, I've taken, I really only started liking writing, I think, in my senior year of high school as I got into college and I do script writing a lot now. Um, which is interesting because it starts out as on, written on paper and then it ends up on as a video. But, um, uh, one of my professors had encouraged, uh, just doing a little bit of journaling every day to get the, I, get your thoughts. Cause sometimes I think people have a hard time getting thoughts out from head onto paper. At least yeah. that's my problem. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, journeying is incredible. I think the whole way of uh, uh, one journal devoted to your spiritual journaling. Mm. In fact, I, I teach at retreat centers and parishes and so forth uh, how to begin spiritual journaling. as uh, one of the classes I teach. It's a half-day you know, half class. Uh, so, so the idea that you can get your thoughts out as speaking to god i think is extremely valuable as well as just sort of general you know journaling uh because it's a whole idea of comfort and that's part of what we're doing for the children in our classes is making them comfortable to to express ideas to use words on the written page and that uh you know we're very skills based uh but we also are very, very Catholic-based. And when you believe in God and you believe in the grand sweep of eternity, right? I mean, we're, uh, in your previous segment, one of your speakers mentioned the whole Catholic imagination reaching back to, to Christ, actually to the creation of the world, to the Bible. We, we are participating in that imaginative journey. Yeah. Way back there. To what? Not to next week or to the end of the the coronavirus hysteria or next month. The final reach is to God in heaven. 
Yeah. Hey, Sarah, let, let me, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm looking at the clock, sure. and we're down to about two and a half minutes, and I want to make sure we don't uh, run out of time. We're like, oh, we never talked about the camp. and So let's talk about the nuts and bolts of that. And I know you're going to hang out with us afterwards for the after show, and I want to talk about some particular Catholic writers and uh, a lot more to, to delve into this. But uh, for those listening anywhere across our listening area, tell us about the Fairless Catholic Writing Camp, uh, when it is, the uh, who can be in it, the cost, you know, just all the details that you can give us. Okay. Excellent. Uh, the Fearless Catholic Writing Camp is June 22nd through 26th. Uh, the age ranges of the children are 3rd grade through 12th grade, and those can be rising 3rd graders as well or graduated seniors. Uh, we are going to teach virtual. We will have a very low student-to-teacher ratio. We have two teachers for each virtual classroom. Uh, all the teachers are professional educators. So they are very, most of them have their own writing careers. Uh, the time every day will start at 9 a.m. We'll go to roughly 11.30 or 12 noon, depending on age groups. There are age-appropriate group classroom groups. Uh, the students get individual feedback on specific writing assignments that we, they will be doing. They're not going to be chained to the computer for that whole time period, especially the younger ones. We have very bite-sized chunks to for feedback or bite-sized chunks, chunks for uh, direct instruction, and then the kids go off and, and write or do whatever. We adapt to various learning styles. Uh, we have sibling discounts and early bird pricing. Uh, early bird pricing, the f- your first child is 165 Your second child is 135 And third child and up is $100. And those are good until midnight. Uh, those prices are good until midnight, June 15th. All right, exactly uh, a month. Um, let, yeah. me, let, let me give out the website, uh, catholicliteraryarts.org, catholicliteraryarts.org. And uh, this is a fearless Catholic writing camp as Sarah Cortez said, June 22nd through the 26th, 3rd through 12th graders, and you can get all the information on there. Um, and it's authentically Catholic. There's not going to be anything. None of the professors are going to teach any heterodoxy. It's going to be totally solid. And so, all right, uh, just got about 20 seconds, sir. Anything else before we close okay. out the show? Um, oh, just encourage people to register their children. We, we, I mean, we will give them skills. We will make it fun. We will inspire them, and you will be amazed. Even if your child's a reluctant writer, and if your child's a prolific writer, he or she's going to be challenged. All right, very good. Well, Sarah, thanks so much. Uh, again, <laughs> CatholicLiteraryArts.org, and Sarah's going to hang out with us, and we're talk more about Catholic writing. Who's your cat- favorite Catholic writer? Uh, stick with us on social media, and uh, thanks, Sarah. Also, thanks to Steve Ray and Dr. Malloy, Cecil, and Diane doing a great job on social media. God bless you. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name.
Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be his most sacred heart. Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.